Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. So congratulations to all of our 2020 graduates. I know this year did not unfold the way uh, you wanted it to. So many of our kids missed spring activities, spring sports, etc., Uh, I know that's got to be so difficult for you, but we are so excited to be able to celebrate with you uh, upon your graduation. And so we wish you the best as you go into the future. I want to share a story with you. And Robbie Zacharias told this story in his book, The Logic of God. But he said this, he said, the story is told about a little boy who had lots of pretty marbles but he was jealous of his sister's bag full of candy. One day he said to her, if you will give me all your candy, I will give you all my marbles. She thought about it and she agreed to the trade. He took all her candy and went back to his bedroom to get his marbles. But the more he sat there and admired his marbles, the more reluctant he became to give them all to her. So he hid the best marbles under his pillow but he took the rest to her. And the story is that night she laid down and she slept so peacefully. But he tossed and he turned and unable to sleep, he kept thinking, I wonder if she gave me all the candy. And there are so many things in this life that will disrupt your rest. Being dishonest, lying, stealing, cheating, Hiding the truth, living in sin, I can promise you this, it will rob you of joy in your life. And we find ourselves today, even 2020, we're we're living in a culture where we have so many different options that we can pursue. I realize some have been restricted with the pandemic, uh, with this COVID-19 restriction time. But I can still promise you, as I interact with people, man is always searching for more. But the pursuit of happiness, when you start to look at the heart of man, appears to be the main goal. And we have tried so many different things in this world, uh, so many things to try to satisfy our, our hearts and to find pleasure. And again, the world throws so many different things at us. And it's like, hey, we've, we've got things to offer you. And when we chase those, we only come to the realization that stuff in itself is so empty. This external stuff that we chase after and even acquire, it may bring temporary pleasure, but it cannot offer permanent joy. And I like what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 4. And if you ever read out of the message, it's such a fun translation, if you will, what Eugene Peterson put together. But how he captures Psalm chapter 4 here, beginning with verse 4, is so beautiful. He goes, why is everyone hungry for more? More, more, give me more, they say. And he pauses and he says, the psalmist is like, ah, I have God's more than enough. I have more joy in one ordinary day than they get in all their endless shopping sprees. At the end of the day, I'm ready for sound sleep because you, oh God, you have put gladness and joy in my life. And the heart of man longs for joy and gladness. The world says, chase after more. 
get more toys. Even the mindset of my day was eat, drink, and be merry. Hey, go for the gusto. Have a great life. And the book of of Ecclesiastes is all about the thrill of the chase. If you want to read a great book, read Ecclesiastes. But even Solomon would say, in the pursuit of wine, women, and song, and stuff, and wealth, he would say, ah, chasing stuff is empty, and it's meaningless, and it does not satisfy the heart. So here's what we know. For those of us who have really repented and responded to the gospel, the truth is to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection daily is way beyond anything that the world has to offer. When we trust God's redemption and grace, he puts gladness and joy and peace in our heart and nothing, absolutely nothing compares to that. So I want to encourage you, As we dive into John 20, it's such a powerful chapter, uh, but but we're going to land on this concept of joy and gladness. Now, John 20, get the picture. We've just finished up uh, the majority of the book of John, and Jesus has been crucified. And we played on the last three statements last week where he says, take care of my mom, I thirst, and it is finished. Now, it's early Sunday morning. Jesus was crucified on Friday, but it's that first glorious Sunday morning. Jesus has died a criminal's death. He has been placed in this borrowed tomb, if you will. And Mary Magdalene, oh, what a jacked up, painful uh, portfolio she had. But she had been redeemed and restored by the love of Christ. Mary Magdalene appears at the tomb to come to where they have placed Jesus' body. And she gets there, and it's empty. Jesus is no longer there. It is one of those moments of tetelestai. He is victorious. He's no longer here. And then Peter and John arrive, and they find the tomb empty as well. And they all assume that someone has stolen the Lord's body. Where can it be? The disciples leave. Then Jesus appears and reveals himself to Mary, all in John 19. And as she sees him, she is overcome with joy, thinking, he's alive, he's alive. Now, I want to pick up the story in verse 19. And I love this. Verse 19 says, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I mean, the disciples were locked up inside because of fear. And I've heard it said that fear is false evidence appearing real. And when, when you're overcome with fear, fear will lock you up and shut you down and cause you to live scared. And it's happening right now with so many people. People are freaked out and people are living scared. And the media has been driving this narrative of, of, of fear. Oh, you could get sick and you, you could die and you need to stay inside. And there's so many people that are overcome with fear. And the disciples... We're afraid. I mean, 
These people, these Roman soldiers, and even some of the anti-Jewish establishment in regards to Christ, I mean, that they, they had killed Jesus. And they're probably thinking, they might kill us. And then Jesus appears. Hey, fellas, peace, shalom. Hey, everything is going to be okay. And here's the verse, John 20, 20. The disciples were glad. When they saw the Lord, their fear gave way to faith. The Lord was alive. When they saw the Lord, their sadness turned to gladness. We are glad Jesus is alive. He has defeated uh, the, 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 the crucifixion and the grave. He's alive. And I can promise you, even as we rolled in to this new year, my verse was John 2020. 2020 is perfect vision, they say. And 2020 vision is seeing and experiencing Jesus. They saw and they were glad. And when you and I keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. We can have a glad, joyful heart. Again, it's been said that obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off of the goal. And our goal is Jesus and you've got to ask your question, or ask yourself the question, what is your focus today? What are you focusing in on? What are you giving uh, most of your attention and, and energy and time to today? Is it the world or is it really Jesus? And it's so important to stay locked in on the Lord. Now, because of where I'm going in this conversation, I want to define for you uh, just two simple words. And these are words that we hear all the time, but it's the words happiness and the word joy. And, and, and people, you know, they still love singing the old song, don't worry, be happy. But happiness is, can be a little jacked up, if you will. Happiness, properly defined, means to be blessed or to be fortunate. And it refers to a favorable outcome that will always benefit you. Happiness is based on what's happening. It's based on circumstances. Joy is something that is internal deep inside of us. Joy is rooted in a spiritual resolve. Joy is rooted in faith, faith in Jesus. Joy has the ability to look past circumstances at the big picture and the future. And when the joy of the Lord becomes central, it's amazing how much freedom you will experience. Again, happiness is circumstantial, but joy transcends the moment whatever is going on. Joy is an attitude of the heart present inside of us because of the peace of Jesus. Having been justified, we now have peace. And you can experience joy even in the midst of difficult times. Joy doesn't necessarily need a smile, but it does better when we have one. But you can walk into a room where people are, are downcast and beat down, and I can promise you, you can still have the joy of the Lord in you because the joy of the Lord is all about the peace and the patience and the presence of the Holy Spirit being inside. Happiness for so many people right now 
And for some of you watching this, happiness, you know, is absent when things get dark or difficult in your life. And there's a lot of people that do not have the joy of the Lord in them right now. If you're walking in the joy of Jesus Christ right now, and maybe it's the first week you've done it, maybe you've repented and surrendered, maybe you've been at it for a month or a year or even 20, uh, 20 years, you know this to be true, that joy never leaves us and it brings life and, and peace and contentment in our life. Even Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, and he said, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Oh, it's godliness that brings about joy in our hearts that allows us to be content no matter what's going on. And when you start to walk in the contentment of who you are in Christ, oh, it's so powerful. Even the psalmist would say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm like, yes. And as a brand new believer, I didn't understand this. But as I started walking in the fullness of the gospel and started reading through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And I'm like, joy. Joy becomes central because of what the Holy Spirit is manifesting in our lives. Oh, so awesome. So the joy of the Lord is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit it's the result of having the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, the Holy Spirit is even the one that revealed Christ to me when I was lost. He continues to reveal the things of the Lord to me now. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes so that we can comprehend the amazing things that God has for us in Christ. And when you're walking that, I promise you, you will have overwhelming joy. And you've got to ask yourself, do my circumstances define my joy? And if so, you have a problem. You've got a major problem because so many people are happy when things go their way, but they're so unhappy when things do not go their way. And if your happiness hinges on your circumstances, it is going to be a rough road ahead for you. Now, I want you to think about this. And this is so uh, practical for where we're living today. But I want you to think about this. One of Satan's oldest strategies is to try to get you discouraged. Because when you are discouraged, it will lead to depression, which will lead to defeat. And Satan is out to pick you apart. If you are truly saved, you've been born again and you know it. Satan knows that your future is promising. And he will do whatever he can to keep you ineffective. And too many so-called followers of Jesus today are living defeated lives. And I, I, I see this, and you know it to be true, that Satan will try to rob you of joy. The enemy of your soul wants to magnify your failures and your mistakes. He wants you dwelling on all of your past failures. That's what the enemy, he, he's going to try to uh, excavate and bring out all that junk of yesterday. And if you allow that to happen, you will live a life where you're struggling with God's, for, uh, God's forgiveness. And if you're not walking in God's forgiveness... You're living a defeated life. And even John 10 says the thief comes only 
the, the enemy is coming at you to steal and to kill and destroy. And the enemy of your soul, he does. He wants you magnifying all of those past failures where you live with guilt and shame. When you magnify failure, again, you're not able to walk in freedom. And Peter would say, Satan, he prowls around like a roaring lion, and he's just seeking anyone to devour. And that's me, and that's you. Satan just wants to take you out. Here's another thing. Satan wants you to dwell on that one person that dogged you and that one person that criticized you rather than focusing on all the good that God is doing in you and with you. And I've used this for years, but if you're motivated by praise, you'll be deflated by criticism. And it is so easy for every one of us to empower those voices that have shamed us or criticized us or spoken a word of harshness over us. And if we're not careful, we start to empower those inferior voices. Satan will do whatever he can to disrupt your day. But I would encourage you, refuse to repent refuse to empower those voices that seek to disrupt your freedom in Christ. The enemy, I'm telling you, he will entice you and he's going he's gonna to come at, after you and he will entice you uh, to chase after secret sins. And he'll tell you this, hey, not, no one else knows what you're doing. Everyone else is doing it. Hey, it's our little secret. But when you start to chase after secret sins, hiding will drain you of joy. Even when we try to fake it on the outside to impress other people, ah, oh, it will drain you. And one of the problems with evil is that it never presents itself as evil. And that's part of the lure. That's part of the draw. But here's a major problem for us. When we start to participate or pacify these secret sins, we are so slick at looking at our own jacked up behavior. And somehow, as we look in the mirror, we see nothing but good. That is twisted. Sin will cause you not to see yourself accurately. Sin creates such distorted vision. Hiding secrets will kill you. And I know this from experience. God hates secrets. Oh, he hates secrets. So if you're, if you're playing that game where you're trying to cover and hide, I, I promise you, you're going to live joyless. Here's another thing. Satan will turn your self-condemnation into criticism of others. Joy will fade when everybody else is the problem. And this is twisted, and it cripples so many people in their journey. We're good, all of us. We can, we can get really good at recognizing the sin and failure of others, while at the same time, we refuse to deal with our own personal sin. We become intolerant of others for the very things that we tolerate in ourselves. And when you're struggling, feeling like you're jacked up, you are more tempted to attack other people. I can promise you right now, if you're really deep down inside, struggling with thoughts of self-condemnation, you are more apt to attack others. People who are not at peace with themselves tend to be mean to others. 
I promise you the enemy is out to rob you. The enemy will drive you toward isolation. And for some people, you, you tend to be a loner. And the enemy is so delighted when you try to fight these spiritual battles by yourself. Long-ranger Christianity does not work. And when the joy, when the joy of the Lord is missing, life is no fun. And some of you are stuck there right now. You're like, the joy of the Lord is missing, Tim. I don't even care if, you've, if you're a believer and you're sitting there and you're like, I'm just, I don't have no contentment in my life. I'm chasing after everything. I promise you when the joy of the Lord is missing, life is no fun. And being a joyless Christian, that's a brutal testimony to have. And so ask yourself, am I really walking in the joy of the Lord today? John 20, 20, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is available to you right now. As I move in just to where we can have victory and where we can experience even deeper joy and gladness in our heart, I can promise you this is not a name it and claim it style conversation. This is not just some uh, positive pep talk to try to pump you up. This is about believing who you are in Christ and trusting that Jesus Christ is enough. This is about knowing who you belong to and who you're serving and where your true identity is. Joy and gladness can be experienced today. Now, for me, as I started thinking through this, how, how do I walk in it? Here, here are the things in my life. And as I start to look at Dustin and Nick and Ronnie and Steve and the many others that make up our team, I can promise you this is so true in their lives. Joy and gladness is anchored in personal faith in Jesus Christ. Personal faith in Jesus changes everything. My joy is anchored in knowing that I am loved and I am cared for by the Savior 24-7-365. When I start to walk in the belief that I believe what God believes about me, when I start to walk in it and I go, God, you have redeemed me. While I was still a jacked up sinner, Jesus, you died for me. You rose on the third day. Even when I was helpless, you pursued me. And, and I start to walk in the fact that my Savior has defeated the power of sin, and I don't have to walk in death and misery anymore. Oh, it changes the game. And by believing and receiving Jesus as master and Lord, you're promised. Oh, this is a great promise. You are promised abundant life and eternal life with the Father. And this is such a game changer. Yes, it should make your heart so glad in knowing that you can live a life of abundance right now. For me personally, I remember getting so off the trail in high school, and, and my life became really three things. It was baseball, babes, and Budweiser. It was chasing the chicks, it was drinking, and it was just pursuing baseball. And it was like, man, that so controlled my life. And I lived a life of misery. I lived a life of immorality until 
I surrendered to Christ. I was constantly for so long all about just gratifying my flesh. And I can promise you the game changer, October of 85 for me, repenting, surrendering to Jesus. And when Christ became the center of my life and the foundation of what I was going to build my life on, oh, it radically changed everything. That's when joy and gladness started to replace all the chaos and confusion. Now, let me give you a second one. If you're going to experience joy and gladness, it's, it's realized and, and really experienced when you start to understand your identity in Christ. We're going to do a series in the summer, and it's going to be probably eight weeks of just identity in Christ, which is so essential. But when you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you became a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things now become new. And this is not you were bad and now you've become good. This is you were dead and now you've been made alive. And, and when we receive Christ, again, ah, oh, this is so crucial. When God saves you and pours his Holy Spirit in you, he's not trying to make you a better version of what you used to be. He is making you a new version of what you've never been. So when we say, if anyone's in Christ, he's new. I'm not just a better version of the old pagan Tim. I'm a new version based on the Holy Spirit inside of me. And when you start to walk in understanding who you are in Christ, you will start to walk with boldness and courage and power, and you will operate from a continual place of joy because the peace and presence of Christ is inside of you. You will truly believe. You will believe this. You will walk around and you'll go, I I'm not worthless, even though I used to think that. You'll go, I really do have worth in Christ. You'll, you'll think, I am so complete in Jesus. I have everything I need in Christ. You, you, you'll even find yourself walking through the day going, God views me as blameless and holy. He calls me a saint. And you'll go, oh, oh, God, how cool is that? You'll start to walk around going, I am his workmanship, created in Christ and two good works. I mean, I am God's one-of-a-kind piece of art. I am a light into my world. The gospel has transformed me, and wherever I'm at, I'm taking the light of Christ and the light of the gospel to my world. And I'm like, ah, oh, what is more joyful than knowing that you're loved? What is more joyful than believing that you're a son or a daughter of Christ the King? What is more joyful than realizing that I am an heir to the kingdom of God in Christ? Oh, look at what God's done. Look at my identity. Every one of my sins, past, present, and future, bam, paid for in full to Tullestai. There is no judgment. God brings me to mercy and to grace and to love. I've been freed from the power of sin, and I now have the power of God inside of me so that I can obey him. I can come to God and call him Abba, Father, Daddy. I have such an intimate relationship with the Lord, and I'm telling you, it will change the game. It's like, oh, thank you for everlasting life. And thank you for allowing me to walk in the fullness of who you are, God. It will change the game. Here's a third thought. When you start to experience the joy of the Lord, it is realized when I obey the Lord. I'm telling you right now, we will experience great joy when we live in obedience to Christ. 
when we give ourselves as living sacrifices, body and mind, and we crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice, and it's like, God, here I am. I belong to you. And, and, and when you start to do that, you will start to think according to God's will. He will start to transform you. And there is no joy. There's no joy when you know the right thing to do and you don't do it. But when you know the right thing and the Holy Spirit is, is, is bringing about truth in your mind, in your heart, and you go, I, I want to I honor God. When, when you're walking in disobedience, I see so many people, it's depression, it's defeat. But joy, the joy of the Lord is experienced through obedience. And you obey because you have joy, and you're joyful because you obey. They go together. It's like, hey, why do you obey God? Because I've got joy. It's like, why are you joyful? Because I obey. Even Jesus said, I always do that which pleases the Father. And I, I was meditating on this verse, Lamentations 3, and it says, let us test and examine our ways, and let us turn back to the Lord. And I'm like, yes, we've got to turn back. We've got to resolve, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey whatever you ask me to do. Now, here's a fourth one. Joy is experienced and expressed in forgiveness. Nothing will steal your joy, like living in guilt. Guilt over unconfessed sin will bring a huge separation in your heart between you and God. You've been there. I've been there when I've got some forgiveness issues on the horizontal or I haven't confessed some things on the, on the vertical. And when you try to pray or worship and fellowship with others and your life is wrecked with sin, all you feel is condemnation. And the more I've walked with Jesus, oh, walk into this with me. Come on. The more I've walked with Jesus, constant introspection. David would say, search my heart, O God. Constant uh, introspection and receiving God's forgiveness, I have come to realize is the norm for every joyful believer. Joy and freedom go hand in hand. And when I'm walking as I've confessed to the Lord and I'm walking in freedom, Oh, Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters. It, it really is. And it says, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. They are forgiven. Hey, nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can. And I can tell you right now, meditate on Romans 8. Oh, God, you're for me. You're, you're, you're conforming me into the likeness of Christ. I can call you Abba, Daddy. And when I walk in that, oh, I desire to extend his forgiveness to other people. One of the practices that can help you today is remember how much you've been forgiven. Think about your own story. Think about your own narrative. And I want you to do something. I want you to think about how much that you have been forgiven today. And then when the enemy comes against you, and he's wanting you to, to look at others, to criticize or beat others up. I want you to release the right to get even. It's like, I don't need to get even anymore. I don't, I don't want to uh, act with a vengeful spirit anymore. And then I would just tell you, hey, say, God, help me respond with grace. Help me receive grace, but help me respond with grace. And as I walk through this, it's like, here, here's a resolve for me. I will extend grace to others because God has graced me. 
And, and I'm like, yes, I can do that, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I will extend grace because the alternative is bitterness. I don't, I don't want to live a bitter, uh, just rotted life inside of my soul. I will extend grace because God inspires me to love my neighbor. Just walk in that today. Oh, walk in the freedom. Here, here's another thing. Joy happens when I pray for and when I fellowship with others. Prayer is our lifeline to Jesus. And through prayer, I can come to the throne of grace and I can meet with Jesus himself. He gives me exactly what I need as I submit my will to his will. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. Lord, lead me, guide me, provide for me. He does. And when I come to the throne of grace, I can promise you I am filled with the joy of the Lord. When when we walk in that, Lord, I'm pressing into you. I'm praying. I'm seeking your face. It is so healthy. Now, here, here's another huge piece to it. When we practice, and yes, practice praying for other people, it does something inside of our hearts. I can promise you when you are praying and interceding for others, it is so healthy in your own spiritual journey. Not only are you praying for the people you like, but you're even praying for the ones that you're upset with and don't like. I, I know this. It is so hard. I think it's almost impossible to pray for another person that you've got some issue with. And if you're praying for them, it's hard to pray for them and continue to rip them to shreds with your words. When you start to pray, it releases so much. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may experience healing, the healing power of God. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. It accomplishes so much. And I'm telling you, when you're praying for and fellowshipping, it's so, so healthy. And one of the reasons why I believe this pandemic has been so difficult is, is hindered so much face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart -heart fellowship. And here at the cross, we love doing life in community. We love doing life in circles, in small groups. And when we're hanging in community, you'll hear people share testimonies of what God's doing. And you'll hear people giving thanks to God about the work in their life. And that just pumps us up. That builds us up. The Lord even commands us in Scripture, do not, do not forsake assembling with other believers. That's why I'm so fired up next Sunday to get back together week after week on our sports field. Why, Tim? Fellowship is essential. Praying with others is so healthy. And people that are walking in the joy of the Lord, I'm telling you right now, fellowship and praying uh, and, and, and interceding for others is a key part of their life. Here we go. Another key aspect of walking in the joy of the Lord, it comes through your faithful giving. And giving is an act of worship. And when I'm giving unto the Lord, living a generous life, even when I tithe, when I give, whatever, oh, the incredible joy that God brings about is amazing. So when you're living a life of giving and you're living a life of generosity, you'll hear us say that generosity is our greatest apologetic in defense of the gospel. Man, they've got their hands open. God can pour in and through them. And I would encourage you, seek out opportunities to bless those in need. 
whether it's at home or whether it's at work or whether it's in your marriage or whether it's here at the church, it is so joyful to live a generous life. And Acts 20, verse 35, remember what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I want to encourage you, walk with a generous heart. Here's another thing. True joy is experienced through worship. And I know this personally in my own life. If you're stressed out, or if you're finding yourself right now in a tough position where you've got to make a life-changing decision, I would tell you, take some time, cut out some time for solitude, put on some worship music, and lean in and rest in the Lord right now. Man, I've got, I've got some things going on. I would encourage you, find some worship music. Even this morning, I was listening to God of Wonders with Third Day. And I was like, man, this is doing so much for my soul. And when you start praising God, don't ask him for anything. Just worship him for who he is, for what he's done in your life, what he's done over the past, what you know he's going to do in the future. And just, just sit there and just say, God, I want to declare your goodness and your faithfulness, Father, over my life right now. When you start to do that, your heart will be uplifted. And if you are worrying and you've got anxiety, when you start to worship God and focus on how big God is, I promise you, all that worry and fear and anxiety will start to diminish in your life and the joy of the Lord will start to return. Oh, worship is so crucial. Now for me, I've built my life and anchored my life on this point, and it would be number eight. Joy is centered on knowing the Word of God. And the more time you spend in the Word, the more your mind will be transformed into knowing what the thoughts of God and the will of God and the ways of God is all about. When that starts to happen, you start to act like and talk like and, and live like a, a true disciple that can honor Jesus Christ with your life. Your thoughts will be more positive. Your actions will be more kind. Your actions will be more humble. We even told in Scripture, when you draw near to God, God's going to draw near to you. And when this happens, oh, the joy of the Lord is so alive in you. Psalm 119, verse 16. Listen to this verse. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And I would tell you, Psalm 119 is replete with those statements of rejoicing in the Lord, celebrating the goodness of the Lord. Ah, oh, fill your mind with the word of God. It leads to joy. Here would be my last point in close. Joy and gladness is increased as I serve other people. There is nothing more fulfilling than using your gifts and using your abilities to help others in their walk, and to use those gifts and abilities to advance the kingdom of God. Seek opportunities where you can serve. Be available. If you want to be used by God, I'm telling you right now, I was even pondering this again this week, you must be willing to be interrupted. Most of Jesus's earthly ministry and the majority of the miracles that Jesus performed were all 
interruptions. I mean, the healing of the blind man, the healing of the lame man. I mean, people were sick and they would approach Jesus. And every time he was being interrupted and whether it was feeding or whether it was healing, he would hear people say, help us we need help. Even his first miracle back to John 2, he was interrupted at a wedding and he was constantly being interrupted as he served. Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted. And if we love what God loves, we're going to allow ourselves to be interrupted. I like what John Wesley said. John Wesley said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can, in all the places that you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. I mean, what a great statement of serving and being a blessing to others. And, and maybe, maybe now you would just, you need to pray this and just say, Lord, I'm yours. What do you want me to do? You have permission to interrupt me whenever you want. Lord, use me for your glory. And guys, as I wrap it with you today, I would encourage you. My desire and the desire of our staff here at the Cross Loganville, our desire for you is to see you walking in the joy of the Lord. I would tell you, receive Jesus, anchor deep in the Lord. Spend time daily throughout the day in prayer. Engage in fellowship. Give, live a generous life. Carve out those times to just worship and focus on the Lord. Serve. Know his word. Hide it in your heart. Hide it in your mind. Again, the disciples, oh, the declaration from John as he writes, we were so glad when we saw the Lord, and even the psalmist would write, I was so glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because that was the presence of God, and we've got to be willing to repent and turn from anything that's hindering us from entering into the presence of the Lord. I invite you, step into it today. And ask Christ to champion your heart and champion your soul and to take over in every area for you. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for this opportunity again, Lord, that we have just to worship you. Thank you for the, just the beauty of John. Lord, from John chapter 1 all the way through 20 now, Lord, you've, been, you've encouraged us. Lord, you've motivated us. And Lord, you've taught us so much over these last 20 plus weeks in this, in this study. And I pray for every person under my voice right now in Jesus' name. I pray that they would walk in the joy and the gladness of the Lord. I pray that they would walk in the fullness of the gospel even today. So, Father, anything that hinders, anything that restricts, would we repent? Would we walk away from it, turn away from it? Would we press into Jesus, our King and our Savior and our Master? Now, Father, as we continue to worship and even close up our time, Father, allow our hearts to be open to sing songs of celebration and to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. 
And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.